We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. This time live on Twitter Spaces. Chris, this is crazy. I don't know how you wired this up. How did you get us? It's production. It's production. You're just a producer. You don't share, you, you don't spill the tea. You don't share your secrets. Cables and wires and mixers and microphones. It's literally about all the level of understanding I have for it, and that I'm I'm going to apply to try to apply to it. Chris, congratulations. Raise your glass. Cheers, sir. I love this throwback podcasting. You and me getting to sit around with a few drinks. Folks, this is I want to launch into before we get started here a little bit about why we're doing this. There's draft content obviously ahead of us, and we've got a long summer ahead of us until the, the Bills next take the field and try to go win us a Lombardi for the first time in our entire lives. Uh, but... Really, when you get down to it, Chris, creating content, when you think back to it, I used to have the most fun when you and me could sit around and joke about current events, when we could talk about things, and it felt fun. You and me sitting here at the table joking around about this stuff, that was enough. And then I think we reached a point where we got good enough at it that it stopped being, I don't know, it stopped being as much fun as it used to be. And we kind of got away from doing that format of a show. Well, then Twitter came along and Twitter gave us this spaces thing, which gives us the ability to not only do a podcast here in our studio, which all the credit goes to you. I don't know how you put this together. (laughs) It's wizardry. And if I hadn't seen you do it with my own two eyes, I wouldn't believe it could be done that we could be sitting here in the studio having this conversation, recording it, but also our listeners can interact and can, we can take questions from them and it gives us a great platform to do that. I think that this brings back some of what we used to do. Makes it a little bit more fun than it used to be, at least. 
I, I don't know. I I just I genuinely believe I I'm looking at this. I think that this is a bi-monthly thing and we're going to start doing this more often. Folks, there's going to be a noise if you're listening to this at home on the podcast. Chris is typing to me now because again, he's a producer. Chris, we're not professionals. You can just say it. It just irritates me. Every time somebody joins, <laughs> it, 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 it beeps. And Chris, I hate it. like I'm, a professional has I'm a word trying to shut it up, trying to tweet. Hey, there's no way to eliminate yeah, the sound when is. someone somebody joins else, their space. Somebody I love else it. just joined. I don't like it. Good. Yeah, of course you don't. And because you don't, that, that entertains the hell out of me. Guys, keep it coming. So every week... We're going to say we're going to start this with a sp- very specific segment talking about Buffalo Bills and NFL news around the league that kind of has a bill slant to it. Every time we do one of these types of shows, we're going to have a contest. OK, we're going to be giving away Wise Guys gift certificates, Wise Guys Pizzeria in South Buffalo and Q42 barbecue barbecue sauce rubs to the listener who submits the most interesting topic of that week for us to discuss and us to take questions on. At rockpowerreport 716 at gmail.com, or you can DM us right here at rockpowerreport on Twitter. Um, go ahead, give us give us something to talk about. Join us. Talk about it. Let's take some questions. Let's get your input. Whoever brings us the best thing when the week that we're doing these shows is gonna win themselves some free swag, compliments of one of the one of the fine small businesses that we like to support here on the Rockpile Report. But so with that, Chris, I want to jump into actual football conversation. Enough talking about why we're here. Let's get to it. With the best and worst headlines of the week. Because I am good at three things. Fighting, screwing, and reading the news. And that's what we're here to do, Chris. Talk about the news. Uh, it starts with the, the one of the worst headlines of the week, right? Probably... Uh, for me, and it, again, it ties back to the Buffalo Bills, is all this nonsense going on with uh, Kyler Murray out in Arizona. And the reason I say that is because it underscores why we're incredibly lucky that we have Josh Allen. And it underscores how this culture that Sean McDermott's been preaching ever since he got hired in 2017 is real. It's not a figment of your imagination. It's not something that... I've heard people talk about it as, oh, it's conflated, it's a buzzword, it's a term that they throw on the process. Uh, Okay, well, here's what I see. This past week, Kyler Murray's agent put out one of the most tone-deaf letters I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, Chris... Wasn't it a short story he put out? Essentially, there was paragraphs to this thing, talking about how his client, uh, in order to be the most focused, and you know, talking about, hey, the the team made a playoff appearance and had two winning records (laughs) the first time in forever. But his client has to have a long-term deal this offseason in order to focus on the upcoming year. And it it was just, I don't know. First of all, it completely... I think it shortchanges the efforts of all the other people on the team that made them successful during Kyler Murray's uh, time there. Um, I think it also doesn't point to the fact that Kyler Murray's been there for three years. They have one playoff appearance and no wins. The worst. He is the worst. And, and, And so one of the things that I take away from this, though, when I'm watching this play out, is that when we... Look at how Josh Allen's contract negotiation with our team played out. Josh Allen got asked about his contract every day at training camp. What was his answer? I don't know. I'm just here to play ball. I'm just here to play ball. I want to win. I'll let the money figure itself out. 
First of all, kudos to our GM for prioritizing the drafting of a quarterback like Josh Allen. Over, look at some of the other guys in that draft class. Baker Mayfield. Um, you're talking about uh, <laughs> you're talking about Baker Mayfield. You're talking about Lamar Jackson. You're talking about uh, uh, what was his name? I the the bad Josh, the Josh I wanted, and half of Buffalo wanted Josh, Josh Rosen. Rosen. Josh Rosen, who got up at the podium and said he's going to make everybody sorry that they overlooked him in the draft. <laughs> we took humble Josh Allen, who just said, "Look, I'm going to go out there. I'm I'm going to be the best there is." Plain and simple. I'm going to, in the words of uh, what, uh, Ricky Bobby, I'm going to piss excellence and I'm going to let the money figure itself out. All I'm going to do is I'm going to be a big, hairy American winning machine. And meanwhile, you've got this quarterback out in Arizona who's essentially saying, look, this is my very first year being eligible for an extension. I want my money now. That seems crazy to me. I. I really, really don't understand where that comes from. And here's so, so Chris does does it not make you feel like maybe their GM messed up? Maybe they didn't read all the tea leaves on this kid when they did all their pre-draft work. Like, hey, did we know he was going to hold us hostage at the very first opportunity to get his payday? So yeah, I, I got into the playoffs. <laughs> we lost, but pay me. <laughs> Give me the money now. It's just. So so you look at the GM and you go, well, how did you and the head coach? I mean, this was your guy. You needed him. How did you not know he was going to be this guy? Well, if that doesn't make them look bad, I, the fact that they got extended by the franchise. So these guys don't know what they're doing. They under, I guess they underestimated the greed of their quarterback. And now they're shocked that he's doing this. But also they got extensions, which means as a franchise, you've just committed yourself to two guys who make poor choices, who underestimated the most important probably the most important player on the football team and at the same time what a head coach who's i think he's got better hair than game planning i i don't know Cliff kingsbury sucks well i mean you can't make fun of his house no his house his house is like a james yeah. bond villain's house yeah i gotta have a fire in the summer outside <laughs> yeah outside in arizona in arizona i, where I gotta it's... have a fire <laughs> Uh, I just it was one of those things that I read and it immediately made me as a Bills fan feel better about this. The, the quarterback that we have, the front office that we have. Is there anybody in there? Anybody in the chat who feels the same way? Just just chime in if you if you have an opinion on this. I can bring in Lacell. <laughs> Lacell. So we're going to bring in Lacell because he's this week's winner for best storyline. And it kind of ties into what I'm about to say. This was one of the, this was one of the most positive storylines I saw in the news this week as it relates to the Buffalo bills. It was what talented kids at the NFL combine were saying in relation to the Buffalo bills. Uh, I believe it was Ohio State wide receiver Chris Olave, and there was one other wide receiver, another one of the top 10 or 15 Garrett prospects. Wilson? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was Garrett Wilson, who when they were talking about, you know, because the, the reporters asked questions about teams and who they'd like to play for and, oh, who have you met with? Who's talked to you? And they mentioned that the Bills had talked to them. And both of them talked glowingly about, oh, that would be a great place for me to go and learn. You know, they got Stephon Diggs. They've got, you know, they've got great coaching. They've got a great quarterback. And they spoke in. Here's NFL draft prospects at the wide receiver position speaking in glowing terms about the Buffalo Bills. When is the last time that ever happened? Someone tell me when the last time. Chris, we sat here last week 
talking about how poorly the bills have done in free agency over the course of the last 10, 15 years at choosing wide receiver talent, uh, the Percy Harvin signings, uh, Andre Holmes, guy, guys who never Brad Smith, guys who never made a dent, how poor we were at just constructing wide receiver depth charts. And now you've got kids who are out there trying to like, hey, I'm just I'm out here spinning plates trying to earn a job who look at Buffalo as one of those places like, oh, man, if I could just go there and play. It's crazy to me the 180 that this franchise, again, we're talking about the coaching, the quarterback, and the front office. The 180 that this franchise has taken on under these three guys. It's unbelievable. Now, Lacell has something combine-related he'd like to talk about. Chris, if you want to bring him in? I think I'm in. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> so I, I just want to, on the, on the uh, Kingsbury extension, I do think it's worth mentioning that the story goes from absurd that they signed an extension too hilarious that it was coming off of a playoff game that they got absolutely boat raced. Yes. Right. Like it's not even like it was a deep playoff run. It was <laughs> one game that they got blown out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, like, okay. I'm trying to think cause Sean McDermott had a game that they lost in Jacksonville, but it was, it was a horrific game. Like to go back and I can't rewatch that. It's just too, it's too much. It's too, it's too boring, but it was a close game. When you look at the end of it, against a team that inevitably went to the AFC Championship game. Then he goes and he loses to the Houston Texans in a game where he was leading by 20 points. So you could argue, like, okay, our playoff losses, there are very few, even they lost to Kansas City, not this year, but last year, felt gigantic. But at the same time, when you look at the score at the end of the game, you say, okay, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And so in that way, I don't know what the hell came. Like, how did you see? How did an owner see that and go, you know what, GM, go ahead. I, I want both of you. I want both of you for as long as I can keep you around. Like, how do you how do you spin that type of a loss to be like, we're right there. We're, we're right there on the cusp. Like, we're so close. Yeah, we, yeah, we lost. You know, we got blown off the field, but we're close. Trust me. So as I was talking about the combine, Ryan, you have this week's uh, – this week's a listener con- uh, <laughs> listener headline of the week. Why don't you go ahead and hit me with it? Well, only because I know that this is your favorite day of the combine, and that's the day that the hand sizes start to roll in. And arguably the top quarterback prospect in the NFL draft this year, Kenny Pickett, comes in at eight and a half inches, which not only would be the smallest hands of any starting quarterback in the NFL – it would be the smallest hand size of any quarterback taken in the first round in NFL draft history. So my question is, we've all been told that eight and a half inches isn't that bad. And now (laughs) eight and a half inches is being called the smallest hands possible. And it's not sustainable for an NFL quarterback. So which is it, Drew? Is it too small? It doesn't matter. Austin Gale from PFF tweeted out, guys, Rushing to call 8.5 inches small really might catch up to us. <laughs> it was, I, I tweeted, I was like, okay, NFL Combine Twitter. Kelly Platt, you do amazing work. All of you guys are probably smart, but that's it. I'm done for the day. No one's, no one's going to top that. It's, it, look, small hands, small hands. Is the guy, can the guy throw a football? If he can't, then you don't draft him. And if he can, then you find a way to make it work. 
I don't I don't know what else to tell you. That's like Josh Allen can't throw a screen pass. Josh Allen's not accurate. You find a way. Oh, Drew Brees is too short to see over the offensive line. Okay. Sean Payton sets out. He says, here's what we're going to do. And this was interesting. I read it in a book. He set out and developed a blocking scheme specific to Drew Brees so that his linemen didn't just block like, hey, I need to in pass protection. They weren't just responsible for maintaining anchor against their man and against a pass rusher. They were also responsible for moving those guys to create windows so that Drew Brees could see have an avenue to see down the middle of the field. That's that's what a smart coach does. That's what an intelligent coach does with a player who has some physical deficiency, but has the processing, has some of the arm talent that you want. Drew Brees didn't have a cannon for an arm, but he was one of the more successful quarterbacks in football under Sean Payton. If Kenny Pickett is good at the game of football, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you he is or he isn't, because the only thing I know about Kenny Pickett is that he won Chris money this year. Chris, what was the bet? I don't. I didn't ever bet on Pittsburgh. I bet on Bailey Zappi. Oh, Western is that Kentucky. it? Yeah, Lacell. Let me ask you this. I don't know if you saw my tweet last week for a content creation idea. We get Drew up to Paul Wineski's house of hashtag Sports, and we put them in the same room watching the combine because we all know that Paul takes off for the dra- for the combine. Paul literally takes time off work so that he can watch every every minute of the combine, and that makes me sick. Yeah, Lacell, is that not a great idea, Drew watching the combine with Paul? I'm I'm very pro Drew watching the combine with any draft nerd that you can put in the room with him. I need a whiskey IV Get for all this. of them in one room and just Drew in a camera. I need a bourbon IV. And I need a pillow like that episode of Always Sunny when they when it's like uh, Mac's birthday and they have to do whatever he wants to do, but they get a complimentary pillow to scream into occasionally. I'm going to need one. I'm going to need a big one. Oh, God. You'll need a lot of wicker furniture to break. A ton of wicker furniture. Now, hand size at the combine might be the worst right up there with the Wonderlick scores. Chris, we didn't do our annual uh, Drunken Wonderlick. We haven't done it in a couple years. Yeah, we took a couple years off there. Well, because my boss... My boss happened to hear about it and was just like, wait a minute. So I hired you to do this job. And it turns out that uh, you, <laughs> you should probably be sweeping floors somewhere. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I was 14 beers deep when I did that. Yeah. There's, you leave me alone. Yeah. That's a, a thing every content creator should do is to get drunk and then take the wonder lick. I know Ryan has scored through the roof on the wonder lick sober. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan. I think I, did, didn't we do that one year where we. Where a bunch of us did drink and took the Wonderlick. I thought that was a, I feel like that was a thing, unless I just got drunk and did it on my own. Nah, no, you boat raced us then too. That sucked. No, I still remember. I'm still, I'm a little salty about it, if we're being honest. But so, moving on from the combine, because it's the bane of my existence, this might be the worst headline of the week and the one that I can't wrap my head around, and it directly relates to Bills fans. People arguing about the signing of Rob Gronkowski. This is my hell. It is my hell. This might be the worst. Okay. Let's. Okay. It caught me off guard. I haven't even heard the rumors, right? I hadn't even heard them yet, which shows you how unplugged I am ever since the season ended, just for my own sanity. The first thing I'm hit with is people screaming into the Twitter sphere about what a jackass Rob Gronkowski is and how the Bills shouldn't touch him with a 10 10, 20 foot pole. And I immediately go, oh, no. (laughs) Why is everyone angry? 
So I, I'm looking around and I, I say to myself, I got to dig in. Now, apparently the bills have have been reported to be close to this idea of signing Rob Gronkowski. I don't really understand it. Chris, we have somebody who wants to speak. Got a hand up. Yep. I'll, I'll bring them in. All right. Or I think they. All right. Well, I'll keep going when you figure that out. Yep. Here's what I know. Chris, I'm a petty son of a bitch and you know that we are the hardest drinking pettiest bills podcast. If the haters ball was a real event, I'd annually be taking home hardware. So some of this vitriol, I just don't understand. I mean, why is everyone so opposed to the idea of Rob Gronkowski in a Bills uniform? I don't want him. He's old, washed up, taking so many hits. Like, I'm fine with Knox and a free agent signing or drafting somebody. Okay, but Rob Gronkowski would be a free agent signing. But, like, he would come at a price. So... Come at a price. I mean, is that it? Is that what this comes down to? Because I've broken this down into three different categories of why people don't like it. Now, you said somebody wanted to talk? Yeah, I don't. Uh, their handle, I can't see the entire handle, but. Bring them in. It is TSTEL underscore BIB. So probably from the Built in Buffalo Network. All right. Well, until you join us. Oh, here we go. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. What's going on? The Ron Grote, I'm fine with signing him. I think people need to get out of their feelings. <laughs> exactly. I don't understand this. This is crazy to me. I mean, this is the thing. If Trey White, if they have a conversation and everything is great, why do we as fans have a problem with that? I did. That's. Are we trying to win a Super Bowl here, or are we trying to win some? Um, some um, acceptance group or something. I don't Do we understand. want Boy Scouts? No, no. Right. No, no. So to your point, I appreciate you telling me because you just hit the nail on the head for me. Chris, do we want Boy Scouts? I think we did that for a couple decades, didn't we? No, what you do? You know how they, you know how they do on uh, buffalobills.com like the uh, they do like a Tim Hortons related uh, video thing where they ask each other questions. You, <laughs> you signed Gronk, you bring in Gronk, Trey White, and then it is moderated by Dr. Phil. And then you <laughs> get their feelings out, and we, we resolve that issue and move on. But You say that like you think Rob Gronkowski can articulate his feelings well enough for it to be... <laughs> come on now. I like that, though. I like that. Yeah, right? Exactly. Thank, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that because you're one of the people. Like You're one of the people I'm probably not speaking to when I say some of these things that you're about to hear. There's three categories. I appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome. No, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you sharing us. And you know what? I I dig your show, and I, I like the fact that there's new people. We talk about it all the time. When we started, there was nobody doing this. I love how big this market has become and just how many different people bring a different flavor to it. It, it yes. really is great. So the one I listen to you guys faithfully, so keep up the great work. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, we appreciate it. All right. Have a good night, guys. You right. too. So, Chris, Bye-bye. the money. The money is probably the first one, right? Because you just said he's old and expensive. No joke. If you go to DraftSharks.com, now they're a fantasy football website, and you look up his injury history, it you're talking fucking war and peace. It's somehow longer than Jadavian Clowney's. It contains just as probably just about the same number of medical procedures they had to put Murphy through 
when they were building RoboCop? Like, that's what it seems like. And the most damning thing is that this injury predictor algorithm that Draft Sharks uses was almost dead to rights last year before the season even started. They gave him a 95% chance of injury related to cost reoccurrence that would cost him about half of a football game. They said he's 95% to get hurt at least that severely. His projected games missed was 3.9. He ended up missing five. And that dynamic is not going to improve as he gets older. So I guess the question is, what are you paying him? If you're talking about paying a guy like that seven or eight million dollars for a single season, I don't like that. We don't have enough cap space for that. You can't afford that. And if you're part of the group that says he's going to be too expensive, sure, I'd hear that. If that, would, mo- that would be me. That would queer the deal for me if the money just, if you couldn't make it work. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's another group of you out there who seem to be mad about his Patriots lineage, okay? Listen, again, I'm a hateful SOB. I'll never not see Rodney Harrison as garbage. Just garbage. He was garbage as a player, and he's also garbage as an analyst. Well, some of it just comes from the fact that he was dirty as hell, but more because he was a Patriot. And I know this because I I love hearing the old stories from players over the last like 30, 40 years talking about the dirtiest players in football, quote unquote. Guys like Olin Krutz and Conrad Dobler. Conrad Dobler bit people. He would bite people in the calf muscle if you were in the pile. And he's, he even bragged about how he used to soak the fingertips of his gloves in hot pepper sauce so that when he was in a pile, he could poke you in the eye and it would probably take you off your game for a snap or two. These are the type of psychopaths that we're talking about. And I appreciate what that barbaric era of football used to be. So it, it's not that I dislike him for being dirty. It's, it's just his Patriot stuff. I've loudly and repeatedly wished horrific things on Tom Brady, only to find out that I actually started to like him a little bit once he left New England. He started showing that he had something of a personality. I got to admit, I'm I'm in that boat, too. He Right? You found out that he hates refs just as much as we do, um, that he thinks the game of football is getting soft. Hell, he he illustrated that he's not afraid to get drunk in public once in a while. Tom Brady is not afraid to tie one on and make an ass of himself in public. Guess what? He and I have that in common. I now appreciate more about Tom Brady than I used to. And I no longer have this hate in my heart for the man. 
so I get it. Like some of you can't get over that. I understand that it might be difficult to accept rooting for a player who came like Rob Gronkowski, who came from a team that demoralized you annually and just personally dominated your franchise and almost seemed like he was taking pleasure in doing so. But if I don't hate the guy, (laughs) then that speaks volumes for those of you who are more even keeled human beings than I am. Chris, everyone's a little bit more reasonable than me, correct? Everyone is. Okay. So if I'm not mad at him about being a Patriot, and I can see past that to see what he could bring this football team, shouldn't other people be able to do the same? Yeah, I'm I'm the same way, except my whole thing is, what's the cost to get Gronk in here? That's my only concern. I don't have a concern of what happened with Trey White. It's only, what's his price? And then... What started this entire conversation, which, by the way, she's a sweetheart. I appreciate her. I appreciate her chiming in. It's this Trey White hit thing that seems to get under everybody's skin, right? Here's here's what I see. I I was irate about the play. I ranted on this podcast all those years ago. It was flagrant. It was blatant disregard for another player's safety. It's a giant man throwing a temper tantrum and hurting somebody in the process. Oh, boy. Rockpile Report lawyer Mark Smith wants in. Why don't you bring him up? Why Why don't you bring him into the conversation? All right, Mark, you're in here. I'm here. Oh, boy. What's up your craw tonight? Uh, The Trey Whitehead. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about it now that you're here. So lawyer me this. A lot of you are still pissed off about that play. The poll over at WGR illustrates that. You're still bitter about this cheap shot, and it was a cheap shot that probably wasn't punished as hard as it should have been because of the logo on the side of the guy's helmet. That makes everybody angry. Chris, we're about to record a podcast about free agency with EJ Snyder from Bootleg Football. Looking at offensive free agents the Bills could add to improve the 2020 roster into a title winner. Mark, you're saying that you're anti-Rob Gronkowski. That's right. Okay. I want you to explain why. Just give me the bare bones. Is it just the Trey White hit? The Trey White hit, the fact that he's more broken than you are at softball games, (laughs) and the fact that he's a former Patriot trying to latch onto our Super Bowl run. He and John Bon Jovi can get fired in the friggin' sun. (laughs) Well, first of all, I agree with some of that. Also, I you're just mad at me because I've conned you into pitching, and I've figured out the sweet spot where I don't ever actually really have to play. I just show up and hold the scoreboard, keep it poorly. I keep the book poorly, and then drink beer while you guys are in the field. I've figured this out. I've found the sweet spot. <laughs> this is what summertime softball was meant to be, Mark Smith. So... Here's a question for you, then. Since you're still mad about this hit, considering we'd be looking at losing both our slot-wide receiver options from 2021, both Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley could walk, and that could be the end of this. What if I were to ask you about Jarvis Landry? If Jarvis Landry were to hit the market and I said, hey, we have an opportunity to bring in this guy, how would you feel about that move? I hope both his legs get broken. (laughs) I mean, this is look at this. When you look at what he is as a football player, 2021 was the first time he missed more than two games in a single season. 
His career yards per target is tied with Cole Beasley. Uh, he's a much better run blocker than McKenzie or Beasley, which is a ping point for Buffalo. Uh, Stephon Diggs is an okay run blocker. Gabe Davis is the best run blocker we have. And he didn't see the field a ton last year. Everyone wants to know why our <laughs> everyone wants to know why our uh, run running game suffers. Well, we don't have anybody on the fringes who can run block. Dawson Knox is still growing as a run blocker. You bring in a Jarvis Landry as a slot guy, he immediately helps fix that. He's got a history as a dirty player. I don't think that's who the Bills are as a team. <sighs> Chris, this guy has a three 1,000-yard seasons, 37 total touchdowns. He's got a better yards before the catch and yards after the catch than Beasley East each of the last four years except for 2020. And he accomplished all of his career accolades playing with Ryan Tannehill, Matt Moore, Jay Cutler, Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum, and Nick Mullins. But he's also apparently toxic to those teams because they didn't they never won anywhere. Yeah, except every I mean, single this, every single other all player this great talent, but I mean he's gotta be toxic. Every other player and every journalist around the football team said, look it, they this guy came here to change the culture and he did. He was one of the main carriers of it because where the Bills were lucky enough to have Sean McDermott. And they were lucky enough to have him as the guy who's brought a sense of culture to this team. I think you remember the the shuffling that's gone on since 2018, a head coach over there in Cleveland. It wasn't coming from higher up. It had to come from inside the locker room with the culture on that team changing. And Jarvis Landry was one of the one of the captains of that movement. So you can tell me he's a dirty player, but everybody from the media to his fellow players respects the hell out of him. So we as fans sometimes see these things differently, but here's what I know. I look at that list of quarterbacks, Mark. There's not a, a Baker Mayfield. Outside of him, there's not a quarterback in that list that is a pimple on Josh Allen's ass when it comes to playing the quarterback position. And I still don't know if Baker Mayfield is franchise quarterback material. So when I look at what Jarvis Landry is as a football player, and I look at what he did, even though you don't like it, for the culture of that Cleveland Browns team by the admission of all of his teammates. He could be a fantastic addition to the Buffalo Bills roster. If they want to be this more physical, aggressive offense, you're telling me that you wouldn't take him because of that hit on Aaron Williams? I mean, he's got a history of the crackback block. It's a dirty play. The Bills might be, the Bills can become more physical without being a bunch of dirty players. You wouldn't take a dirty Super Bowl? It's the filthiest Super Bowl you've ever seen. They go out there and they play like the Monsters in Space Jam, and they bring us home a Lombardi. You're not going to go get hammered at the parade with me? Well, yeah, I'll still drink <laughs> at the parade. That's you. what I'm talking about. That's it. You've just been lawyered, sir. The defense rests. The defense right. rests. Mark. And, oh, okay, can I just say that, unlike the last listener, I think you guys are doing a terrible job. And um, I only listen because um, I'm your lawyer. So have a good night. All right. Take it easy, Mark. Yeah, you guys can. Uh, if you guys need um, some loitering, you can go find Mark at Sagman, Bennett, Robbins, Oppenheimen, and Taft, his law firm. <laughs> Tell me that that's not a real law firm's name. I mean, it might be from Seinfeld, but <laughs> some people Jesus. got that. I guess for those of you, for everyone else here listening to this, how many of you still have ill will towards Jarvis Landry today. Chris, do you? No, because Aaron Williams don't play for the team. Th this is it. 
And, and anybody else out there want to talk about this dynamic where it's like, look, enough time has passed. I'm not mad at him. I was furious the day it happened. And I bet you Aaron Williams still has an axe to grind. We still have Laisel in here. Laisel, you got a thought on this? I didn't like Aaron Williams to begin with. <laughs> okay. So this is one of those things where it's like, look, I... I think that sometimes you can get caught up in this idea of I want my team to be better, but I also want the guys that I like. I want guys that make me feel good about who I'm rooting for. I'll tell you what I feel good about. I feel good about wins, right? If you brought in Dominican Sue, Jarvis Landry, Rob Gronkowski, who else, Chris? Who else? Who else is a cheating son of a bitch? Uh, I don't know the guy who uh, the guy who spent the whole game illegal hands in the facing John Feliciano from uh, Kansas City on the bring Richie Incognito back. Yeah, bring Richie Incognito back. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care that he threatened to cut his dead father's head off at a at a funeral home. I don't care. Or, or that he blocked us on Twitter. Yeah, he blocked us on Twitter. How crazy is that, Ryan? Out of uh, we've never blocked anybody. The craziest person to ever put on a Bills helmet. Literally, the one of the most mentally ill, or allegedly. He blocked us because apparently I'm too much for him. <laughs> I'm a firm believer that character doesn't win championships. That's Eventually, you have to go out and get players' character be damned. Go win me. Go win me a title. I don't care who does it. I don't need Boy Scouts. I need victories. And in that way... I really think that if you, to Chris's point, even though he kind of made it, in a, there, there's no way in hell Rob Gronkowski is going to be able to say, he would have to write a prepared statement and then read it clumsily like George W. Bush at the podium. It would be terrible. I, 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 but I don't see a lot of difference between Landry and Gronk. They're both supreme talents at what they do. They're very good NFL football players. And at the same time, they could come into this building and immediately improve a position group on the team. I don't care. I care about wins. Feelings be damned. And I think that there's a lot of football players that feel the same way. I mean, you mean to tell me that Lorenzo Alexander loved Richie Incognito? I know for a fact that there was a lot of guys in that locker room who they hated that guy's guts. But guess what? You're winning football games. You find a way to make it work. Yeah, it goes to the that saying, if you're problems outweigh your talent, you're not going to have a job. Yep. Somebody like Antonio Brown, there's no way he finds an NFL team. I mean, no, I, not now. Since we have Lacey. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. You still think somebody's going to take a chance on him? Oh, yeah. Somebody will take a chance on him. God, I don't. I don't know how that's possible. It'll be the, Buffalo. The way, the way. It'll be Buffalo. They'll sign Josh Gronk. Gordon keeps finding jobs. They'll, they'll, sign, yeah. they'll sign Gronk, Landry, uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, <laughs> they'll bring in every filthy player that they can, and just I'll I'll I will f- like, I'll I, applaud the move. I thought the way that Antonio Brown left Oakland was like, there's no way he can find a job, and then he gets signed in Tampa Bay, which because we have Lacel here, Lacel here, I had to drink a Seagrams <laughs> because of that, and then he goes to Tampa I was just Bay. Going to offer you another Seagrams about that he'll be on a roster by week six. By week six, I will take that oh, Seagram's bet. Oh no, I, Chris! I gotta avenge. I gotta avenge my my Antonio Brown bet with Lacel somehow. They're like the way he left Tampa Bay was way worse than the way he left 
Oakland. There's I no, don't know. He left no, Oakland by trying to fight the GM. There's no way. <laughs> I don't think he gets he worse. Tried to, he tried to paint a helmet, a Pittsburgh helmet, gray, to pass it as an Oakland helmet. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I don't you know. You can't I make this stuff up. I don't know if people want that headache, but it's just like if you're – if your issues outweigh your talent, you're not going to have a job. No. That's why Incognito's always had a job, because his talent at guard has never outweighed his problems off the field. Well, I can't it, wait to watch how this this materializes. I'm, I love that this conversation, the pinnacle of it is you possibly getting more liver damage <laughs> and that much closer to diabetes, because you it's have... more a, diabetes than liver damage. <laughs> you I have mean, a, let's be honest. Because you, you have a bad football opinion. So... The topic of tonight's conversation, now that we've cleared the headlines, the Bills returning to St. John Fisher. It's being floated around out there. And Ryan, you've been there. I've been there. We lives out there. We've been there together. So I I feel like it's fitting that you'd be here for this. For the first time in three years, it looks like the Buffalo Bills might be returning to St. John Fisher for training camp. Now, Ryan Talbot of Syracuse.com was the one who first broke the story, but I think it was in writing and on his social media, but it was talked about by a sports anchor from WHAM 13 out of Rochester that talks with the university on a new contract for training camp were kind of being kicked around. And that, I don't know, momentum is shifting that way, that the Bills could be looking to spend their August days practicing in the shadow of Grony Stadium. First of all, it would make the Bills something of a rarity, given that not just because of COVID, but this has been a trend going back to the early 2000s. According to frontofficesports.com, back in 1990, there was only two football teams in the NFL that used their home facility for training camp, the Falcons and the Lions. And that makes sense because you consider their fan bases probably hate their team a little bit. Don't they have to, right? Chris? Yeah. The Falcons, you grew up in that. You know what it is. Yeah, they, their training camp's out in Flowery Branch, which is the equivalent of Orchard Park to Lockport. <laughs> it's out there. Okay. Okay. And the Lions, I mean, Detroit fans are just like, oh, our team, they're practicing. Are they? Do we care? It doesn't matter. So we're, we're going through this. And <laughs> it's funny to me that now – all of these guys were split between either team-owned facilities like the Cowboys currently do or college campuses. Now you look at things, by 2017, the Bills were one of just eight teams still going away to college campuses. And in all, there was only 12 teams that didn't host their summer tune-up sessions at their home stadiums and practice fields. And then COVID comes along, and I think the number was 27 last year. (sighs) Ryan... What do you – this seems like a dying thing, doesn't it, going away to camp? Yeah, I, I think it's a dying thing. I think guys get used to, you know, being home and sleeping in their you know, their enormous-sized beds. They forget that football players are not normal-sized human beings. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for the familiarity of – going to the, you know, training, going to training camp and just, you know, driving down the street and and getting there. But, you know, McDermott has been very vocal that he likes the idea of getting away and the camaraderie that's formed as part of a team when you're basically living with each other. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And for what it's worth, I, you know, it sounds like it's pretty common knowledge in Rochester that there's not a desire for the team to stop using Rochester as a location. Um, 
you know, I, I you know, I do Brockport College football games, and up until last year, they were getting ready to put, you know, they're putting a new press box in at SUNY Brockport. They just put a brand new uh, locker room in uh, a few years back. They've actually been in com- conversations with the Bills about if and when they ever leave St. John's Fisher to potentially come to Brockport. So I, I don't think that there's any type of desire from the Bills to leave the Rochester area uh, during the training camp time frame. That's just kind of the sense that I get from McDermott's comments and from other things in the community. Well, exactly. No, and, when, and there's a reason for that. First of all, revenue for these universities, it's – in 2011, the, the – the, I mean, because all these things are public record because it's a it's – a, they have to they, – they report these things. $412,000 worth of revenue in 2011. They did – in 2013, they did 341000 it, it's a moneymaker for the school. Now, they talk about how they breaks even. They're like, well, our expenses and blah, 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 blah. <sighs> even if it doesn't cover the cost, places like SUNY Cortland, apparently they benefit from this quote unquote exposure and the internships and just it gives them an ability to stage these exclusive alumni events that generate a ton of money for the college. Both Court, SUNY Cortland and Minnesota State have said that the exposure that they received not only locally and what they were able to make off throwing alumni events at these training camps that they've hosted, but also the coverage they get on ESPN is a major boon in terms of free advertising that they could never afford. The Buffalo Bills are kind of in the same vein. Like, St. John Fisher is not being talked about nationally if the Bills aren't there. So there is a benefit to the university. There's also a benefit in the local community. I mean, we talk to Dean Kindig every single offseason. Yeah, he lives Dean Kindig of Draft Tech and the Buffalo fan base. He lives so close that he can get dropped off by his wife and walk home. <laughs> but for the rest of us, there's parking. There's the parking alone. It's almost like Bill's tailgating. You pay five bucks, you park somewhere. You're putting money into that local community. There's also an immutable benefit to the local economy surrounding the university. God knows, Ryan, you and I, it's where we first met. The Pittsburgh pub has made a mint off of me over the years. <laughs> Ever since it had training camp at St. John Fisher. Because after every single training camp, credentialed, not credentialed, I end up at that godforsaken bar and I end up with a tab that clears at least 80 bucks. It's, it's always a night. Do you remember that first night? I remember I thought I was going to put, I remember telling Chris when we were pulling to the parking lot. I go, listen. Yeah, you're like, all right, I'm going to have to fight this Lacell guy. <laughs> it's like, like, Chris, keep an eye on me. I might yeah. have to put this Lacell guy in a headlock. Lacell's the same as you, personality-wise. It's just that Lacell is smarter than you. <laughs> this is fair. I, I fondly remember our nights at the Pittsburgh pub. I mean, it was, you know, every, and, it, and it's you're right. I mean, the, the local economy, it was after every night practice. You know, we'd go and we'd set up Rock Sports Network. We'd set up a post-draft show and, you know, we'd have people that covered the theme that came in. We'd have players that came in, coaches. I mean, it was, you know, the place to be after practice. Just that local economy just booms from, you know, people parking at, you know, Wegmans and walking or parking at, you know, you know, wherever they go at the local high schools. And then they grab food Chipotle on the way out or they stop at Pittsburgh Pub and, you know, again, that's not something to your point, Drew, that's not something they can pay for. You know, that's something that comes just with the national attention of one of 32 NFL teams coming to your town for three weeks in the summer. No, exactly. And there's no way to replicate that. I mean, you've got what between what the players do and go out and kind of do around town 
And then the fans that come in to see the players. It's going to be worse this year because we're good now. Well, that's our point. So, so it's going to be worse. So, so this is it. Like it brings in droves of people who, when you're in a certain place, you got to drink, you got to eat, you got to do things. It's kind of a boon to that to that small. I mean, because Pittsburgh, it's the richest suburb of Rochester. It doesn't need any help. But, but, and I know this because my wife grew up there, and her family's rather blue collar which is an interesting throwback considering who her dad is and what they do. And it's just funny to me. But she was in here earlier, so she's gone. But you can say whatever you want now. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, honey, if you're listening back to this. I'll she's say not. This, uh, only live, if possible. Okay. So what I'll say is that it's one of those places where I, I she, her friend got married. And I she's like, oh, no, I got the She's like, oh, everyone's staying at the hotel directly across the street from the Pittsburgh pub. I was like, all right, great. She's like, I got us rooms there because I know you like that bar. We can go out afterwards. The morning of the wedding, she was a uh, bridesmaid. So I dropped her off at the thing and I went to the hotel. I went to the hotel hung over from the wedding, like what, the rehearsal dinner the night before. And I had ketchup on my beater. Because I'm still dressed in the same clothes because I wasn't going to shower at her parents' house. I was going to shower at the hotel. I, what, Chris? Shower at her parents' house or shower at this expensive hotel room? Expensive hotel room. Okay. So I walked through the you front door. You free reign to do whatever you want. I walked through as the much f- soap as you want. I walked through the front door and the guy looks at me. I'm in sandals, cargo shorts, a rumpled, unbuttoned, button-down shirt with a beater that has a big ketchup stain on the chest. And he looks at me like I... Chris, he was this close to calling security. He was just, I am. I was considered an undesirable in that town. <laughs> it looked like a drifter. It was almost like, uh, what is it, from The Big Lebowski, where they kick him out of Malibu? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have the cop drive him to the border. That's what was about to happen to me. And I was so uncomfortable because the place was so nice. I just went, I spent the whole morning just across the street at the bar so I didn't break anything expensive inside the hotel room. That's Pittsburgh. So it's not like it needs the help, but it's also a good thing for the local economy as a whole. And then to the point about the players and the camaraderie, we reached out to uh, team captain Reed Ferguson. Talking to him, I asked him, what is it about this that matters to you? And he said, the bonding with your teammates is important. It builds and fosters the growth and camaraderie that we rely on during the season, especially with new players. Also, the fan interaction, it's huge because it's clo- its a closer environment than what we get back in Buffalo. Now, all of that sounds lovely, and I don't doubt his sincerity, considering he's one of the guys as a captain that's looked to as a culture carrier and as someone whose role is to try to help bring the other 89 guys together ahead of this roster cutdown, some of whom are complete strangers, to build the strongest roster possible for the upcoming season. But then there's this from Sean McDermott during this week's uh, combine pressers. He says, there's certainly been talked about going back to St. John Fisher, and we'll see where that goes. There's pros and cons to both, really. I think we've documented those over the years, and we'll see what happens. The cons from a head coach's standpoint are pretty clear, aren't they, Chris? Yeah. If you're a head coach of the Buffalo Bills, first of all, you have the best, not one of the best, the best medical and training facility in the entire NFL. Maybe the world. State of the art from top to bottom. Choosing not to use that at a point in the season, at a point in time where preseason injuries are a storyline every single year. Look at what happened to Baltimore last year. What, they lost uh, three star players in a week? 
two of them on back-to-back plays with yeah. ACL tears. Um, they, they've got uh, whoa, 2020 with COVID. They went back to camp, and it was a tidal wave of injuries. It was awful. It, all of this is at work. It's at a time when practice time is at a minimum, and you see guys getting hurt on a more regular basis. So health does dictate overall success. So to say, hey, we're going to do camp somewhere where we, we have this super awesome facility. We're just not going to use it for this. It almost seems like you're tying one hand behind your back, doesn't it? Yeah. And then you said this to me the other day. Reed talks up this love for training camp, but we know Reed, and you know what also he likes? His bed. You said it. You were like, you know what he likes is going home to see his wife and kid every day. Yeah. <laughs> he also loves his, uh, what, his kid, to, to Ryan's point, his custom-made California King bed, uh, that giant Traeger grill of his, and even if it is a sissy pellet grill. Yeah, and being... You will never convince me that pellet grills are not just out... It, it's not just an outdoor oven. Yeah, and... It is not a smoker. It is not a grill. It's an oven, and you should all be ashamed of yourselves. He's also not far from the facility, so... Also, drive time plays in a in effect. He's close, which most... I believe most players live within a decent distance to the facility. No, yeah, most of them live in the area. So, I don't know. It's There's something to be said at a time when you're trying so hard to focus on, quote-unquote, task at hand, to having your own creature comforts and seeing your family. I feel like that can go a long way towards preventing burnout and keeping you fresh mentally on a day-to-day basis. So, even though being put in this crucible of training camp away from everybody, we're all forced to bond— there's also reason to believe that being at our home facility might be what's best for everybody, right? So with this in mind, Chris, would this return, and for you guys who are still here listening, God bless you, I want, it, I want your input. Would this return that we're talking about here, the Bills going back to St. John Fisher, be a quote-unquote good thing for the team if it were to come to fruition? I mean, I think it is. Based on what? Well, we just talked about with Lacell, you know, you get, especially now that we're good, the parking revenues, you know, if it's like, uh, if you're, they have, uh, allow fans at like a morning practice, you go to a morning practice and then you grab lunch in Rochester somewhere or around the facility. So it's going to be a little bit of a boom in the pandemic to restaurants and other venues like that within the Rochester area. That's fair. Um, <clears throat> I just look at it from a team perspective and a PR perspective in terms of what this team is and what we want to be. This whole thing was cooked up by uh, the PR guru, Russ Brandon, <laughs> to help regionalize the team and keep it viable. Didn't he go to school there? I believe so. I think that's where the connection came from. Now, even if you hate the guy, didn't like the job he did as team president, you got to admit there are far more fans from Rochester who are engaged in the football team today than there were at any point prior in my life. That's that feels like a win for that guy. Now, is there anybody else? Drew, that- I think I think from a, a fan perspective, I think it's worth noting too that St. John Fisher is far more equipped to house fans coming in to watch practice, and I think we've seen that over the last two years where they've been away from St. John Fisher. In that there's like what maybe two to three open practices every day at, oh, yeah. when they help hold them at the stadium because they, they don't have the infrastructure, you know, to bring people into a giant stadium like like the, you know like Ralph Wilson whatever they call it these days Highmark 
you know, there, there's security involved, all kind of stuff. As you go to St. John Fisher, they've already got, you know, they've got the bleachers, they've got the stadium, they've got the folks that are working security on campus anyway because they're there normally. It, you know, it just infrastructure-wise, they're much capable and, ha- and able to handle fans coming, which is better fans because it means you're not going to have closed practice like you do at if it's at, at uh, you know, in Orchard Park. Well, do an ex- and to, to expand on your point there, philosophically, if you consider that this move to St. John Fisher back in 2000 is what helped grow the team, I mean, they went there in 2000 and started making progress and buying, getting buy-in from new fans at a time when they couldn't for the life of them find a quarterback. The fact that we have one now who's not just a true franchise quarterback, but might be one of the league's elite players playing for a team that is a Super Bowl contender. Not only can I see that growing fan appreciation of the team, growing the number of people who are cognizant and will turn the TV on because, hey, I went to training camp and that guy was nice to my kids, so now I root for that guy. I mean, I'll tell you this. I've got a buddy whose daughter has a tumor. She's got an inoperable brain tumor, so she's just... This girl is maybe four years old now, five, and she's been undergoing chemo for years. He was as removed from the Buffalo Bills as you could be when I was in my early 20s and we all shared a house together. He was my roommate, and he couldn't understand why I was getting so bent out of shape about the Buffalo Bills. And so fast forward to this past year, in the aftermath of that Kansas City Chiefs game, he put goes on Facebook and puts a post, and it's a picture of his daughter with Sean McDermott. And his daughter getting a hug from Josh Allen on one of the days when they brought his daughter into the building and because she was going to Oshai and Oshai is a charity that Josh feels it's a hospital that he feels very strongly about being charitable towards. And just the team has really kind of gravitated towards that. He went from being a guy who was pretty dismissive about the Buffalo Bills up and down to now he's never going to stop rooting for that. He put on a picture of that. His daughter being hugged and just said, these are my guys and I'll never, he's like, I'll never doubt them. Go Bills. We'll get them next year. Knowing that he's that invested simply because they treated his daughter well. This is what we're talking about building is future generations of fans roping in people who are not currently fans. All it takes is that interaction to spark something like that. It's human. And that's what you get when you have the St. John Fisher training camps. And when you have these interactive events, to your point, Ryan, at the stadium when they do these things, it's very sterilized. You don't get that. And the only people who are showing up are people who would have shown up anyway if it was a normal game day or if it was a preseason game. You're not getting anyone new. And in that way, it gives it does grow this football team. And if they were to go back to St. John Fisher this summer, I expect that not only would it be one of the biggest training camps ever in terms of fan attendance, I think you'd be seeing people from outside the region coming in to see these things because that's how big of a draw our quarterback is. Correct, Chris? Yeah, how far out are we talking here? You think people are going to come out from Albany? I'd go out of state to come to these things. Right, how like, often have you seen the Buffalo Bills like, with, the, with talk- a generational quarterback in his prime? Just Jim Kelly. How much... And I saw him at Fredonia when I was a little kid, and I remember what that meant to me. How often... Uh, like, okay, you're going to get people out of state. 
how far out of state? Like Pennsylvania to Rochester is not that far. No. It's like an hour and a half. This is my point. Are this we talking like Ohio, West Virginia, Maine? I, Chris. <laughs> non-bordering states to non-bordering New York? Non-bordering states is what I'm thinking. So to me, this could be the time to capitalize on all this positive momentum for the team and bring this thing back and, again, continue to grow what is a small market team, but is, for some reason, a national darling. People love the Buffalo Bills. And you can take guys who don't have a, don't, don't necessarily have a leaning of their own, and you can make them your own. Chris? You got someone who wants to talk? Oh, yep. oh, she's back. She's back. Bring her back in. Hell yeah. T-Stell underscore B-I-B from Built in Buffalo Network. Now with us. What you got? Drew. Yep. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a yingling. Not oh, happy okay. about it. I'm not happy about it either. I died. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got an IPA over here, but the... Um, the Fisher experience for me is I missed it. I am going to go back. If they have it this year, I am ready with my backpack, my football in my backpack, ready for signings and all of that. I take a whole day. I tell my wife, you're picking up the kids. It's 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 on. See, see I and, it. Well, and that's it. That's, that's something I was going to ask. I, I, I Literally on my checklist here, things I want to ask you guys as a group. And Ryan, you, I'm sure you're on my side of this. You and I have the same like problem in, in the sense that the uh, <laughs> the time that I've been at there, like we over there in Grounding Stadium, we've been there on both sides of the fence as fans and as people with credentials. I've never been to the game day, like like the training camp experience at the stadium from the vantage point of the fan. The only time I've ever been in there was the day I had credentials and I got lost on my way to the meeting room and uh, Mike Rodak big timed me and it was just, it was a mess. <laughs> it was the whole I hate thing. Mike Rodak. But it was one of those, no, no, he big timed me and got me lost in the building, but I ended up running into Russ Brand. <laughs> And it was one of the most awkward exchanges I've ever had in my life. <laughs> but you're, all, all you're I right, know, though. It's, it's different. That's what I, I was going to ask. Is it different? Stadium. It's, it's totally different. I, I took my kids. It's so different to where I was like, I can't wait to then go back to Fisher because it was, I don't, you know what? I, I don't, I, Is it just sterilized? It felt so it felt homey at, at, at Fisher than at the stadium. Yeah, I see, that's like what I'm stadium, talking about. The stadium is just for games. It, yes, felt, it felt very, exactly. cool, very Thank like you. preseason. There should be real football being played, and it's practice, right? Or at, right. at St. John Fisher, it's like it's a it's an experience, not just the practice. It's the players walking through and signing stuff, and it's, uh, you know, they set up the game. They have Bill's store, and, like, there's all that stuff where – you literally, like you said, you can pack a backpack and, you know, you can make a day out of going. They're not going to gouge you on, on food and on drinks. You know, a, few, a couple bucks will get you a water and they get the stadium or five bucks. It's just a much more friendly experience. People don't want to spend the money to go to a game, but still want the experience to see the team and things like that. Exactly. Thank you, guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's it. And that's what I've always wanted to know is how much different is it sitting in those seats than it is being there at St. John Fisher? Because, Chris, you and I went together 
we were very early in the podcast game. Yeah, it was awesome. We went, we did a we did a live a Facebook live from the parking lot. Yeah. It was hilarious. And then we're like, going to fight Lisa later. <laughs> I remember saying it, Lisa. We were pulling into the parking lot. I, I told Chris, I go, listen, you got to keep an eye on me because if I have too much to drink and Lacey comes at me the wrong way because he's been known to do that, I might put him in a headlock. And then I met you and I'm like, God, I love this guy. And then as we're driving home, Chris goes, yeah, that makes sense to me because... Same personality. You two have the same personality. He just does Ryan's it better. He just talks educated. circles around you and you don't like it. Uh, Ryan, was your vocabulary always that big, or did you just start doing it? Did like was it just no, like I, a- I, I turn it on? And- <laughs> uh, no, so I really hope. Like Estelle was just saying, like it's one of those things that you want to. I don't know. I think that this all needs to come home. I think for fans, especially at this point where the team is. It would be good for it to come home to St. John Fisher. I think it would be good for all of this to be able to be more accessible to fans. It hasn't been for the last two years. We're all co- we're coming out of this COVID thing. Stand, you know, all the mandates are being relaxed. I'm sure that that goes a long way towards paving a road for this. So in that way, I expect this to happen. I know everyone's talking about it being speculated. I expect it to happen because right now you have an opportunity. You have a franchise quarterback. You have a Super Bowl, potentially Super Bowl contending team. I just feel like you'd be doing yourself and your franchise and your fan base a massive disservice because you could reach so many of them right now if you just make the decision to go back to Bill's camp. Your players will thank you. The communities will thank you. The fan base will thank you. Is there any way that they don't walk away from this looking like winners if they ink a deal here, Lacell? No, no, absolutely not. Because you could still, they could still do, you know, one, maybe two night practices at the stadium if they really wanted to do that. You know, one, maybe to close out camp as they head back to park, you know, for the season to start. They could, they could do a practice out in Buffalo for those folks, but. No, there, I don't think there's any way that this could be spun as a negative for them to come. As long as the as long as the team is on board and the coaching staff is on board, that post, I don't think there's a way that they can lose from PR perspectives. Before we get out of here, Rock Pile Report lawyer Mark chiming in again. Well, Mark, what have I done now? What law have I broken? What do you What are you here to prosecute me for? Well, no, I'm just I was I'm saying you know the the. I, I think the practice in Fisher is perfect because it regionalizes the team, um, you know, not in the way that the Toronto series did where it sends actual things, actual important things, you know, over the border. It, 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 it definitely creates a regional fan base. You and, you know, I, I think you're overlooking the biggest positive of the team going to Rochester. Actually, two positives, uh, the Genesee Brewery and Garbage Plates. Oh, my man. Oh. If they come out, you come out to Rochester. We'll go to the Genesee Brew House. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, both of you go so I can firebomb it while you're inside. That's what. Yeah, both of you go so I can I can burn this. Drew, thing don't forget, I'll take you one down there. It's right next to Black Button Diller. It's good gin. You can't you can't beat it down there by the public. Lacel, I will not. I will tell you right now that at my girlfriend's house, which I will be living at very shortly, we have Black Button Distilleries, Loganberry Gin and Lilac Gin. Delicious. <laughs> It's banging, man. And they were one of the distilleries in the country shift from gin production to hand sanitizer production. Pandemic. So 
Stop flavoring gin. Stop drinking gin. It's like a Christmas tree in a glass. It's awful. Stop knocking it until you've had it. I have had it. I drank a whole bottle of it with a bottle of squirt, and I can't drink it anymore. I physically can't. Well, Drew, you're, well, you're, 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 yeah, you're, 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 you're you're, you're, you're never supposed to drink a whole bottle of anything, so that's kind of on you. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't even good stuff. I think it was like uh, I think it was like a fourteen dollar bottle of gin, and it ruined it for me forever. I'll have to make you a gin cocktail at some point. Oh, God. They have some, there are some great gin cocktails. If you think you can, but here's what I know: Rochester, great. Rochester, great for football. Let's go back to training camp. Genesee, garbage plates. I'll see you and them in hell. And guys, that's the note that I want to end tonight's show on. Can Thank- I? Can I? Let me get a story in because we have oh, here we, we have a, we have Lazel here, and it just totally reminded me of Lazel. So last week at work, I had to work uh, over an overtime overnight shift. So my week was a little rough. Forgot to mail in my note for my car, and so the bank. Because you, you, Drew, you took me to Rochester to pick up my vehicle two years ago. So the bank that has my loan, they have a branch in Batavia. So I was like, well, Monday, I, I was like, I got to drive out to Batavia and go to the bank and make sure my car note is paid on time because I have an above 800 credit score and I want to keep it that way. I'm in line at the bank in Batavia and there's like nobody in the bank. There's one teller and he... They have one customer who runs his own business from Albion, and he's trying to take out $64,000 in cash. I'm hearing this standing in line, and I can only think of Ryan Lacell. And the, the, the I'm, bank, I'm really curious about who it is. The, the bank, know them. The bank is like, we can't complete a transaction of that size without yeah. without a <laughs> there's a whole request. process here you they, don't just get to walk in and demand six yeah grand. they they were like the bank was like we can, might be able to give you 10 yeah and the guy was like no i need 64th and i'm like i'm standing in li- i'm next in line there's nobody behind me it's just this guy at the teller stand and then me and I, all i could think about please don't have a gun <laughs> like <laughs> you're requesting sixty four thousand dollars in cash and claiming you you're self-employed out of Albion. So here's my takeaway from your story. First of all, hilarious. Uh, you don't know banking laws, but you're self-employed and you have sixty-four grand in the bank, but you don't know you can't just pull out sixty grand at a time. I find that sketchy. Um, two, Ryan, we always joke about the pores. Um, Chris pays his note not electronically, not auto debit. It's not offer. I can't sign up. Yeah, that's that's you can sign up with bill pay through your bank. Just bill pay through your bank. It's it's not through my bank. It's through a credit union. You could have your bank establish a bill pay on your behalf and never have to go do that. The fact that you're standing in line to pay a bill with money in your hand. It's it's, I see the I see people like you at Verizon and I scoff at you. I openly scoff at you. Know that guys. Thank you so much for everybody who showed up tonight. This has been an enlightening conversation. I think it's a lot of fun. These are going to get better as we go forward and we get into a little bit more of a rhythm. But this is, I had a blast with this. I love the feedback. I like the fact that we can talk to you guys about topics as they come up. But for tonight, i got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your Rock Pile Report. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.